Amen. Thanks, Marsh. And good morning, Northland. Thanks for bringing the church into this room uh, to all the different spaces where we're connected online. It's a big deal for us to be linked together, to be united together as a church during this time. I love all the things that, that Pastor Marsh referenced there. And if you haven't yet had the opportunity to get involved, maybe you're new at Northland, maybe you're asking questions, searching, checking out uh, what Northland is about. Maybe you're asking questions about God. You're in the right place. Dive in where you can. There's discipleship opportunities, small groups, service projects. Go online. Check out all those opportunities. We need the body of Christ right now more than ever. So thanks for uh, joining us this morning. I'm excited because we're wrapping up uh, the second week of Moses. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor Rob teach and kind of open up the first section of of Exodus and, and begin to unpack who Moses was. And as as soon as I mentioned to my family that I was going to be doing week two uh, of Moses, they immediately had one image in mind. The first thing that came to their mind was this scene. How many of you recognize, this is a snapshot from a musical from 1952. I know it goes way back. I see a hand. I see some hands. Great. Online, you can also throw on the chat section there. What musical is this? Singing in the rain. In my family, it's almost impossible to get the whole family to sit and watch something at the same time. I've got um, my buddy Wyatt, who's 11. My daughter, Emerson's 18. Emerson likes scary movies. I don't like scary movies. She has to watch those with her mom. Uh, Wyatt is all into Fuller House. You might remember Full House from the 80s. There's Fuller House. He can tell you about every season, every episode. He's got them all memorized. This is one of the only things that we actually can get the whole family to watch together. You might remember uh, the, this era of movie making, Gene Kelly, uh, Donald O'Connor, these amazing musicals, dance and, and theatrics. Uh, my kids often wonder, like, why don't they make movies like this anymore? Well, there's a scene from this movie that actually takes a tongue twister. Uh, it's actually an old nursery rhyme from 1888. And they revamped it, they tweaked it into a song called Moses that they actually use uh, in singing in the rain. And it's not by accident. We're actually going to hear a piece of it, by the way, in just a second. It's not by accident that they named this Moses and that they focused on him. Because you might remember that when God spoke to Moses and God gave him a command, uh, Moses was quick to give not one or two, but five different pushbacks on why he thought he was the wrong person for the job. And one of those was Moses didn't feel like he could speak very well. He was nervous that he would not be able to communicate very well when he stood in front of Pharaoh or in front of the Israelites. So we're going to look at those five things in just a second, but I thought just to have a little fun, I want to watch this little piece and give you an idea of this tongue twister. Basically, the plot of the musical is this. It takes place in a time when cinema is changing. It was moving from being um, silent films, you know, with subtitles, to all of a sudden, uh, these actors and actresses actually had to start speaking lines and dialogue, and some of them weren't as good as others. And so in this scene, Gene Kelly plays this actor who is actually taking lessons to learn how to pronunciate better for when he is uh, filming. So I want you to watch this. Uh, last night, we watched like half the movie at the five o'clock service. Only going to do about a minute and a half, two minutes, but check out this amazing piece. 
right you want to watch the rest of it listen I know it's worth clapping for where have those movies gone forget whatever you're binge watching the crown the falcon and the winter soldier put all that aside find a friend a family member go watch singing in the rain you will be blown away but here's the deal what is it exactly that Moses was supposing when God spoke with him and in fact What do we learn from that interaction that Moses was having with God that echoes all the way to the 21st century today? Here's the arc where we're gonna be going this morning. We're gonna look at what God said to Moses, what Moses said back to God, all the suppositions. There's five key things that Moses said back to God. We're gonna talk about how are there similarities today through some of the struggles we face and how can we overcome similar struggles. But first, let's look at what did God say? We're gonna go to Exodus. If you have your scriptures, you can turn, open up there to chapter three, or you can follow on the screen. It's also on the digital worship guide. You can look up all these references later if you miss them. But here's what it says in Exodus chapter three. This is how the, the story starts uh, where, where God is instructing Moses on what he wants him to do. These are God's words. The Israelite cry for help has come to me, and I've seen for myself how cruelly they are being treated by the Egyptians. 
It's time for you to go back. I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Anytime you're reading the scriptures, and, and I know for a lot of us when we read the Old, Old Testament, it seems like these ancient stories, and sometimes we have a difficulty understanding what does that narrative really mean for us. But the thing to focus on, and you see it very clearly here in Exodus, is you see a pattern. You see words that God is speaking that speaks to something significant because it's being repeated. In fact, if you look at that scripture, there's a couple actions that God takes here. He sees what's happening. He hears the cry of the Israelites. And not only does he see it, but he then sends Moses. He sends people, he sends his church. He's still doing that today. The question is, why is it that we often refrain from obeying, from listening, to stepping into those situations? Well, let's look at at least five things, uh, five responses that Moses gave. Probably these won't sound anything like the excuses that you give. It sounds more like your spouse or a friend, somebody sitting near you. We, I, I never struggle with these myself, but someone you know has probably given this type of excuse back to God. This is what Moses says back to God. First of all, God, I am not credible enough. They won't trust me. They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say, God, appear to Moses hardly. I'm sure Moses was probably thinking of every excuse in the book. God, surely you've seen the Gallup poll, the survey that was done among the Israelites, and you, you know how public speaking is like the number one fear of all Israelites. I'm at the top of that list. God, you have the wrong person. Not only that, I'm not articulate enough. Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. In fact, uh, many biblical scholars believe that Moses uh, not only had this insecurity of, of speaking, but he might have had a physiological uh, difficulty with, with stuttering. He said, God, there's got to be someone else. How many times have you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you to engage in a conversation, to reach out, to help somebody, to step into a moment, a classmate, a coworker? And the first thought you had is, God, send somebody else. Send Pastor Gus. He flashes that smile. He speaks in that Sierra Leone African accent. They'll listen to Gus. Everybody listens to Gus. I'm a nobody. Why me? What makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children out of Israel, out of Egypt? Think of how often we struggle with those insecurities. We feel like, God, there, there's got to be someone else. Surely someone else can go. I have no authority. I don't have the degrees. I haven't read the Bible enough. I don't have the diplomas. Suppose I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your father sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? I'm sure Moses, if he were living today, he would have been thinking, God, I know what's happened here. It happens to me all the time. You have your cell phone in your pocket, you sit down, you accidentally call somebody by mistake. I'm sure that's what happened here. You were scrolling through. You accidentally hit my name. Just go back and scroll a little further. You'll find Steele, Mycroft. Send him. Have him take care of that situation. And not only that, Moses felt like 
He should have anyone sent but himself. Please send somebody else. There's a, a friend of mine who works in the, the film industry, and he talks a lot about um, when you look at an actor or an actress's montage, their portfolio of work, they call it a sizzle reel. And I've been thinking about Moses' sizzle reel. I mean, up to this point, when God was speaking to Moses, Moses knew better. He had seen God's handiwork firsthand. He knew of God's power, his faithfulness, his sovereignty. He saw uh, incredible miracles take place, and yet here he was again struggling because the reality is it wasn't all sizzle. For Moses, there was a little bit of drizzle there as well. In fact, I want to look at his sizzle reel here and just kind of go through some of the stories. There's 40 chapters in Exodus. If you go home and read it, it takes five or six hours. It's a quick read. Uh, Amazing stories. We can't do that in service here today. So I just want to give some highlights of some of what happened to Moses. And you're going to see some of the challenges that he faced And it puts into reality how often we look at a person like Moses and we think he was perfect, he did all the right things. And yet as we've discovered in this series, Against All Odds, all the characters in the Old Testament, in fact, all the characters that are highlighted in Hebrews 11, the the hall of faith, they all struggled. Let's look at some of those. First of all, you might remember from the very beginning, Exodus chapter 1, Moses escapes infant, infant, infanticide. I always mess up that word, infanticide. Pharaoh had actually declared that all male infants uh, at birth were supposed to be pitched into the Nile to be wiped out. And after Moses is born, his mother, uh, after three months of raising him, she realizes she can't hide him anymore. What does she do? She creates a basket out of reeds and she patches it with uh, a tar and pitch and seals it, makes it watertight, floats him down. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him in Pharaoh's court. Then Moses, as he grows older, you might remember the story where he goes out and he sees uh, a Hebrew being beaten by an Egyptian and Moses steps in and what does he do? He murders that Egyptian, which now means Pharaoh is on the heels of, Pharaoh, of Moses. So he has to flee Egypt, and he gets out of town. And that's where Pastor Rob picked up the story last week, where as Moses is out tending his sheep, he hears an angel in this bush that's consumed by fire, but it's not burning up, and he goes over there. And then it turns from the angel speaking him to God speaking to Moses directly. Remember, there was two incredible acts, miracles that God performed for Moses to show his power. One of them, uh, Pastor Rob talked about last week, he said to Moses, throw your staff on the ground, and it turned into a snake. And when he picked up the tip, it turned back into a staff. The other story that wasn't mentioned last week was uh, the moment where uh, God said to Moses, stick your hand inside your cloak. And when he took it out, do you remember what happened? It was covered in leprosy, this disease that was eating the flesh. Moses put it back in, removed it, and it was healed. There were so many other stories, the brick and straw disaster. You might remember that under the oppression that the Israelites were facing, in order to expand Pharaoh's kingdom, uh, he put them to hard labor, and they were to take straw that was delivered every day to them, and out of mud, they were to make these bricks to build and and expand uh, the buildings. And 
Pharaoh was so angry with Moses because he kept coming back to him asking to let his people go that Pharaoh finally said, okay, here's what's gonna happen. Not only do you have to produce the same amount of bricks every day, now you have to go out and find all the straw and make all the bricks and meet the same quota every day. Moses was not a super popular person at the moment. Ten plagues in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea. Some of you know Moses was a music composer. He and his uh, wife Miriam wrote these, or sister Miriam, wrote these amazing pieces that are recorded in Scripture. When the Israelites were out in the desert and they were hungry, God sent manna, bread, and quail from heaven. When they were thirsty, he had Moses strike a rock and out of it fresh water came. There were battles that were won, the Ten Commandments. There were three annual festivals that Moses helped establish. There was the building of the tabernacle. The whole back half of Exodus is this incredible, intricate a description of all the detail that God spoke to Moses and how he wanted the garments to be put together, how he wanted the best craftsmen to put together the ark and the tabernacle, all that would be traveling with them as they went and traveled. The golden calf, you might remember Moses was on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, and as he was up there, the Israelites grew irritated and frustrated and uh, wondered where Moses was, and so they built uh, this calf, this golden calf. They collected jewelry and, and earrings and necklaces and melted it. And then he made this golden calf and they were worshiping it when Moses came down. And he was furious, rightly so. He threw the tablets on the ground. They shattered. New tablets had to be inscribed. And when Moses would go back and forth to Mount Sinai towards the end of Exodus, there's this incredible picture of how his face would radiate from being in the presence of God when he would come off the mountain In fact, it was such a distraction when he would go back to the Israelites that he had to cover his face uh, in a veil in order to communicate back to the people. D.L. Moody, an 1800s evangelist, he describes sort of the arc of the 120 years of Moses like this. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a nobody. He was somebody. 40 years learning he was nobody and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Have you felt like that this week at all? Have you felt like you arrived into certain situations or woke up in the morning and felt like, I'm not the person that's equipped for this job. I'm not equipped to do the parenting here. I don't have the skills. God, this is a mistake, this job this lack of job, this struggle that I'm going with, going through with a a friend or a loved one. God, I don't know how to navigate this. And we begin to push back. And God steps in again and again to speak his promises to us. And here's one of the main points that you can get from the book of Exodus, from Moses' life. When you hear, I can't, what we need to remember is I am. It's the words that, G, that, uh, that uh, God spoke to Moses. He literally said to him, when you go to Pharaoh, when you go to the Israelites, say, I am has sent me. Last week, we talked a lot about the external noises that we hear from culture, from social media, from the news, from all types of, of places and people. But so often it's the noise that we hear between our ears when our 
Heads hit the pillow at night, isn't it? That's when the noise is the loudest. That's when the enemy knows when to strike the insecurities and the struggles and the way to keep nagging at us, trying to force us to believe that we are the wrong person in the wrong situation at the wrong time. And yet we learn these incredible lessons from Moses as he stepped out in obedience and faith as it describes in Hebrews 11. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna look at three promises. Three promises in the way that we learn God's character in his interactions with Moses. Three reminders, if not for you and I this morning, for somebody else this week that needs to hear this. The first is this, the I am, Yahweh. What he was saying to Moses and what he's saying to you and I this morning is the I am knows you. The scripture says in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God knows exactly who you are. It's not a mistake, your design and who he made you to be. I heard this story recently, maybe you've heard it. It's, it's almost like a children's story. It sort of opens up the imagination to certain questions that we sometimes ask but have a hard time answering. And the question that it tries to answer is this, where was your soul before it was placed in a human body? Have you ever wondered that? Well, there's a story that's out there. Uh, it's not true. It's not biblical. It's just sort of one of those things that gets you thinking, and it's fun to talk about over dinner. The story goes like this, that every one of us, before we are placed into the body of a baby, that there's an angel who speaks all the divine mysteries to each of us. And then at just the right moment, when our souls are placed into a body, at that moment, the angel seals our lips shut so that when we're born, we actually forget all those divine mysteries. What's my favorite part of this, this little story is that in sealing the lips, it's what puts the indentation in between the top of your lip and the bottom of your lip. And to make it even more fun, think about when you're struggling to remember the answer to a math problem or something that the boss needs you to uh, re recall, what do you do? You tap your finger on your lips in order to try to remember. Church, try this this week. When you find yourself wondering, am I good enough? Am I capable enough? Am I the right person for this situation? And you find yourself struggling to remember who God has made you to be. Turn to the scriptures. Stop going to social media for, for building your confidence, for rebuilding your identity. I was talking to uh, a lady last night after the service and she was saying, I feel like I'm experiencing identity theft. Not in, a, not in a financial way with, with credit cards, but in a spiritual way. I don't remember who I am anymore. I don't remember who God has made me to be. Church, God knows us. And Luke, Jesus uh, instructs the disciples and tells them he knows the number of hair on their heads. Secondly, the I am, Yahweh. He's saying to Moses, 
I've placed you in the exact place that I want you. And he's saying that to us today. Even if we might wish we were in a different situation, maybe we wish we had a different set of friends or a different social network or a different job or lived in a different place, God has placed us right where he wants us. Ephesians says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's put us right where he wants us to bring his presence, his promises, his truth to the people around us. I was talking to a friend recently. She was sharing with me uh, a conversation that she had with her mom where this was a reality that she experienced firsthand. I asked if she would send it to me in a note, and so she wrote this for me that I, and gave me permission to share it with you. She said this, Mom recently learned that an old friend has been released by his oncologist to hospice care. The glory days of her friendship with Sam happened 35 years ago when they were both living far away from God. So when mom heard about his condition, she called to set up a time to visit. His sister told her she was welcome to come over, but he was pretty weak and hadn't felt much like having visitors these days. She suggested that mom show up with a milkshake, and so that's exactly what she did. When she stepped into his room, Sam's first words were, well, they tell me I'm dying. And mom smiled and said, well, I heard about that. And since I know you, I thought I'd better make sure you've been praying. Sam said, no way, but in other words that we can't repeat here uh, in church. He said, I haven't been praying, and I told those hospice people not to send any preachers over here either. Well, mom only stayed about an hour until he was too tired to continue the conversation, but the hour was filled with old stories and a lot of laughter. Mom hugged him and asked if she could come back the following week, maybe bring some old pictures and another milkshake. Then just before reaching for the door, she turned back and asked, hey, would it be okay if I pray with you? And there was a long pause. Well, of course it would. And so mom and Sam prayed together through a whole lot of tears. Church, God is in the business of seeing the struggle, seeing the pain of his people and the people around us. And he not only sees it by divine appointment, he places us, he sends us right into those situations. And lastly, the I am, Yahweh, is near you. These are Jesus' words from Matthew 28, some of the last words he spoke in the Gospel of Matthew. I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's near. The Holy Spirit is present with each of us. A lot of us are still trying to catch up from all of this covid aren't we? We're still asking hard questions, and we're still struggling to understand who we are right now as a community, as a nation, as families, as individuals. And here, God speaks to Moses these incredible promises that are not just for him, they're for us, church, today. His nearness, his presence, that he's placed us right where he wants us, 
that he knows each of us. Did you hear the story of, uh, of the, the guy recently who, um, he was dating this girl for years, loved her, crazy about her, head over heels about this girl, had spent all these years on dates, and he knew like, okay, this is, this is the one. This is the moment. Bought a ring and, and kind of set up the big day, showed up. Uh, at the end of the evening, he got on one knee, and he presented her with a satisfaction ring. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I didn't hear about that one either. You know why? Nobody wants a satisfaction ring, do they? We want an engagement ring. That's what we're after is engagement. And that's what God is after, is to be connected, to walk alongside, to watch, to listen, to interact, to give guidance, to give instruction, give counsel, and invite us into his mission. Church, we got to do that. Now more than ever, the world needs these promises from Moses to 2021. Let's be the church that speaks that into the culture around us. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, first of all, we confess to you that we are so easily distracted. We so often choose to hear the noise, God, that's around us, and more often than not, the noise that is pounding between our ears, the insecurities, the doubts, the fears. Father, the enemy knows right where to attack, and many of us have felt that attack for some time now. Holy Spirit, would you fill that space where there's darkness? Would you fill it with your light? Father, would you redeem those situations of brokenness in our lives that the enemy uses often to remind us of division and struggle that we have with each other. Would you be our unifying force? Father, we confess to you that so often, like Moses, when we begin to doubt, we, we want to try harder. We feel like we've got to muster up more energy, more resources, that we're the ones that have to fix the situation. And you remind us again, Lord, that you are the sovereign one. You reign over all creation. Father, for those moments that we hear those lies in our heart, would you fill it instead with you, the I am. May we worship you, God, even now in the best part of this service this morning, this time of singing these truths to you, the one who is almighty and holy, the one who abides and comes near and invites us to be engaged with you. Father, would you help us to hear those promises instead of the lies? Would you help us to turn our gaze from looking downward Father, would you open it up and help us to look upward to you. We pray in Jesus' name.